Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are two weeks away from the June Nations League window. That means we are one week away from the June roster drop, and that means it's time for our June roster drop prediction. Now, the interesting thing about this roster drop is Greg Berhalter already gave us a bunch of hints as to what we're going to see on this roster, and I think the majority of these roster spots are already written in pen, Uh, so there's not a lot of question there. However, there is some question at some of these positions. There are a few spots that are still open, and it sounds Sounds like Greg is bringing in some competition to kind of see what we got at some of these different spots. So I'm going to go through the roster. I'm going to tell you who I think are the locks and who are the guys I think are potentially competing for some of these last tickets to Qatar for the uh, 2022 World Cup. All that more on this episode of the Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is the Yank Report. It's a show where we talk about the U.S. men's national team. We talk about the U.S. men's national team and U.S. men's national team accessories. If you're into that kind of thing, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, join us. We do this all all the time and we got a fun run up to the 2022 world cup now let's start where we always start with the goalkeepers but before we do that let's hear a word from today's sponsor our partners at bet online continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments including the latest odds on the nba playoffs fights and even next season's futures and don't forget that the mlb is back as well who are you picking to win the world series bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join or use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So I'd say the top two goalkeepers are pretty much a lock. It's going to be Matt Turner and Zach Steffen. Now, who's actually going to be the number one is going to be really interesting. I would assume at this point that Matt Turner would be the number one in this particular camp because... Zach Steffen hasn't been playing much, and the last time he played, it was not very good for anybody involved. Uh, So I'm assuming that Matt Turner, who recently returned from injury and has gotten a string of games under his belt uh, since returning, is going to be walking into that number one slot. The big question on everybody's minds is, who's going to be number three? Now, there's a couple of guys out there who it could potentially be. Uh, Gagas Lunina is certainly one that uh, a lot of fans want to see. He is a very young player. He's very promising. There's whispers about him potentially potentially going to Europe. There's whispers about him potentially joining the Polish national team instead of the U.S. men's national team. So he has that uh, that dual nationality thing going for him as well. Another option would be Ethan Horvath. He's the player for Nottingham Forest that came up so big for the U.S. in the Nations League final against Mexico. Uh, he's a player that a lot of people see as kind of the best of both worlds between the saving ability of Matt Turner and uh, the, the playing with the ball at his feet of uh, Zach Steffen, uh, though to be fair, Ethan Horvath hasn't had a lot of games this season. I believe he's played and he's played in six of 47 matches for his club team, Nottingham Forest this season, which is just not very many. Uh, so that's a knock against him. Another interesting one is Stefan Fry. He is the Swiss-born goalkeeper that just was absolutely on fire for Seattle Sounders in their deep run into the uh, CONCACAF Champions League, eventually winning the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, Stefan Fry made a bunch of big saves 
in that tournament and for Seattle for the last couple of seasons. He's one of those guys that people look at as a player that just kind of missed his shot for the national team, never got his opportunity. Now, I mentioned that he's Swiss-born, but he did become a U.S. citizen in 2017, so he does, does have eligibility to play for the U.S. He is 36 years old, so he does bring that veteran leadership to the U.S., and I know that there's a lot of different ways to build a roster. I know some people see building a roster as simply calling up the 23 best players you possibly can. Uh, I've never been a fan of that. I've always felt like you build the best team and the best team isn't necessarily the best players. Uh, you, you build that best team that you possibly can. I think an important element in a best team is having that veteran leadership at the third goalkeeper position. I know historically that's always been a place where the U.S. puts in uh, a veteran guy. Uh, I know Nick, Nick Romando was that guy for a number of years. Marcus Hanneman had that job for, for a while there. Uh, just kind of uh, uh, an extra coach who can potentially be on the field for the U.S. It's not very likely that you see your third goalkeeper playing. Uh, but for me, the guy who probably kind of blends the best of all worlds here is probably going to be Sean Johnson. He's the 32-year-old keeper for uh, for New York City FC. Uh, I have a feeling that he's going to be the one called up considering though Gaga Salinita had a hot start, he's kind of cooled a little bit. Uh Ethan Horvath has not had many games this season at all, and Stefan Fry has just not been involved with the national team at all. So I, I think it would be Sean Johnson, considering he has that experience in Greg's system, that the team, the, the players know him. He is an older guy. He brings that kind of old head leadership to the locker room. I think he kind of just brings the best of all worlds. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's any of those four guys that gets called in for that third goalkeeper slot. Moving on to the right back position. Now, the big headline is that, you know, Greg Barhalter already said that Serginio Des is likely to miss this camp uh, due to injury. So that's going to open opportunities for other players. Now, in the last window with Serginio Des out, it was Reggie Cannon and um, DeAndre Yedlin who were called upon to be those right backs. I know there's a lot of people asking for uh, Joe Scally to be brought in for this particular camp. Now, I have a feeling that since Joe Scally wasn't brought in during World Cup qualifying whenever he was playing his best and he was getting a ton of minutes for his club, I don't think now that we've gotten towards the end of the season and he's only gotten a handful of minutes since the last World Cup qualifier window, he's not playing very much for his club team right now. I have a feeling that he's not going to be brought into this camp uh, because of that. So I have a feeling that it's going to be DeAndre Yedlin and Reggie Cannon, two players who are getting a lot of run with their club teams at the moment and are very well liked and respected within the camp. I, I have a feeling it's going to be those two guys at right back. Moving on to left back, and this is where there's a bit of question mark here because we know Anthony Robinson is the guy. Anthony Robinson has been an absolute Ironman for the U.S. Men's National Team throughout World Cup qualifying. He's played uh, among the most minutes of anybody in the team, uh, and, and for the last few windows, he's played every second possible uh, at left back for the U.S. Men's National Team. But behind him, there's a lot of question marks there. Uh, I know Greg has mentioned possibly playing right Right backs at left back. I know he likes Des potentially backing up uh, Jedi over at left back. But at the moment, there doesn't seem to be another left back that, that's in sight for this position. The the two guys who I think it could potentially be are, number one, George Bellow, who has gotten minutes at left back for the national team, has been a part of camps, got the move over to Europe, and has been playing a handful of minutes here and there for his team, Armenia Bienfeld. Now, 
Honestly, I don't think he's looked all that great over in Germany. He hasn't looked much better than he looked whenever he played for Atlanta United. And whenever he played for the U.S. men's national team, he did not inspire too much confidence. And that is probably a big part of the reason why uh, that Anthony Robinson had to play so many minutes at left back uh, for the U.S. men's national team because Greg Berhalter just didn't trust anybody else there. Now, there is a dark horse candidate here, and it's an MLS player. It is the New England Revolution left back, Dewan Jones. Now, Dewan Jones was brought into the January campaign and my money would be on Dewan Jones in this moment. Uh, I, I think he's playing the most consistent soccer. I think whenever I watch him for New England, I mean, at first, whenever he got called into the national team, I was very surprised. I, I, I didn't know much about the player, but having since watched him, I mean, he's just one of those players that just feels effortless. It, it doesn't seem like he's ever uh, caught in a tight spot. He doesn't lose many tackles defensively, and whenever he's on offense, he can put in a ball into the box. I'm not saying that he's going to be uh, running up the touchline like Jedi, and he's not going to be as dynamic as Serginho Des, but I think he's quite the serviceable left back. Uh, and for this moment of time where, where we have so many left backs that uh, are very young, potentially can be superstars in the future, guys like George Bello, guys like Kevin Paredes, guys like Jonathan Gomez, but just aren't quite there yet, I think Dewan Jones fits the bill for the guy who can be that stopgap uh, in Qatar in 2022. As center back, this is a marquee position for the U.S. men's national team right now. This is one where everybody has it circled and a lot of it revolves around the John Brooks discussion. Now, Greg already said uh, that John Brooks is not likely to come in and he gives us the reason that uh, he already knows what John Brooks can do. And I find that quote really interesting because you can apply that to a lot of different situations within the U.S. men's national team whenever looking at these roster spots. I mean, you can apply it at goalkeeper with guys like Sean Johnson. He can say, I already know what Sean Johnson can do. I want to see Gaga Slonina. You can apply it to right back. I already know what DeAndre Yedlin and Reggie Cannon can do. I want to see Joe Scally. Uh, you can apply it to a lot of different positions, uh, but he applies it here at the center back position. Uh, so with that in mind, I don't think John Brooks is going to be in the picture. Um, and, and we already know that Miles Robinson suffered that uh, Achilles injury, uh, which is scary and, and it sucks because he's just been such a warrior starting with the Gold Cup all the way through World Cup qualifying. Just a guy that I've, I've really come to enjoy his game and I'm really disappointed he's not going to be with the team. Uh, that being being said, that means there's a big hole to fill. A potential starter for the national team is out, and somebody else is going to have to step up. Now, the center backs that I think are going to be brought in are number one, Walker Zimmerman, number two, Chris Richards, number three, Aaron Long, number four, Cameron Carter Vickers, and number five, Eric Palmer Brown. Now, let's start at the top with Walker Zimmerman. Uh, I, I think he's the main guy for the U.S. right now. I think he's the closest thing to a locked-in uh, starter at center back that we have. That being said, I really thought a lot of the um, the quality that we saw from the center backs throughout World Cup qualifying came from that partnership of uh, Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman. I thought together they were very good. Now that that's been broken, it kind of opens up some possibilities of maybe other players potentially coming into that role. Walker Zimmerman is certainly not a perfect player, but he has played very well for the U.S. men's national team throughout World Cup qualifying, and he does offer a lot of intangibles along with his dominance in the air. But with Miles Robinson out of the picture, that leaves opportunity for another center back to step up into that starting role, and maybe there's a center back pairing that just works for whatever reason, and it makes Walker Zimmerman the odd man out. I don't know if there's any center backs that are absolutely written in, in Sharpie uh, for Qatar right now. I think there's there's a lot of potential for shakeups, though I think Walker Zimmerman's number one uh, at the moment. Now, number two for me is going to be Chris Richards. He's a player that we saw uh, briefly throughout World Cup qualifying. Now, uh, he is injured right now. Greg Berhalter said he thinks he's going to be in this camp. It is 
possible out there that because Chris Richards um, is going to be going back to uh, Bayern Munich at the end of the season, that Hoffenheim was like, well, if you're not going to be playing for us uh, next year and we don't really, these are dead rubber games for us anyway, what point is it do we have to bring you back? Why don't you just stay out for the rest of the season? So there is a world where Chris Richards is actually healthy right now and he's just not playing for uh, for Hoffenheim right now because they don't they don't have a future with him. So what's the point? Uh, so, so that's potentially out there as a thing, though he could still be injured. I, I really have no idea. Uh, my hope is that Chris Richards is healthy. He's good to go. And he uh, plays during this June window like somebody who could potentially be a World Cup starter for the U.S. and, and steps up and solves that problem of, of who's going to be one of the starters, potentially pairing with Walker Zimmerman or someone else. Now, Aaron Long is a guy that we know that Greg Berhalter likes a lot. Aaron Long, for me, is a guy that has a profile very similar to Miles Robinson. I mean, a tall guy, tall, very athletic, very quick, uh, dominant in the air. Aaron Long also plays in a three-back system for his club team, and Greg Berhalter said that uh, the the U.S. is going to be experimenting with three in the back for this camp, so I think that that makes all the sense in the world. Not to mention, even when Aaron Long was out injured, Greg Berhalter brought him into camp uh, to be with the group, so now that he's playing and he's back in form. Of course, he's going to be with the group. I think this is an absolute lock call-in uh, for, for Aaron Long. Number four, Cameron Carter-Vickers is a player that Greg Berhalter called out by name. We know he's going to be in this camp. We know he had a very good season in the Scottish Premier League uh, over at Celtic. We know that his club situation is a little in doubt. Uh, he's become a, little, a bit of a wanted man. There's there's Premier League teams that are after him. Celtic is certainly after his signature. So a lot can happen with Cameron Carter-Vickers. But Cameron Carter-Vickers is one of those guys that certainly with Miles Robinson out can absolutely step into that starting role and pair with Walker Zimmerman or could knock Walker Zimmerman out of the starting role altogether. And last but not least, we have Eric Paul Brown, the guy who was brought into the last round of World Cup qualifiers, actually did get uh, some minutes in the game at right back, but uh, he's a player that's reportedly, I haven't watched much of him at all, but reportedly playing well for his French lead side. I'm going to try to pronounce this so you guys hammer me. Uh, Whatever it is, he's been playing and he's been playing regularly for him. And I, I think he brings some of that profile of uh, athletic and, and can get to spots and, and break up play. And considering he does have a little bit of positional versatility and he is one of those guys, I know like during part of his career, he was playing as a defensive midfielder and we weren't sure whether he was going to be a center back or a defensive midfielder. He does have that quality to his game. Uh, so I, I think he's another candidate for a three-man back line. So uh, Eric Palmer Brown, I think, is a guy that's going to be fun to watch. I don't necessarily know if he's competing for the starter role like some of the other guys, uh, but I, I think he'll be part of this group. Over at defensive midfielder, I, I don't think that there's much happening here. I think it's going to be Tyler Adams. I think it's going to be Kellen Acosta. Uh, I, I don't think there's a lot to say about this this positional group. I think it's pretty much locked in. I know Tyler Adams hasn't gotten a ton of minutes since the last World Cup qualifying, which is kind of a bummer, but he's one of those guys that it doesn't really matter. He's, he's, he's got his name written in ink uh, for that trip to Qatar anyway, and I think Kellen Acosta is not that far behind him, unless some defensive midfielder steps up out of nowhere and just uh, demands a start on, on for the national team. I think those two guys are pretty much locks at this point. Moving right along to the attacking midfielders, and this is a position group where things sort of get interesting. Uh, 
we have three guys who I think elevated themselves above the rest during World Cup qualifying, and that is uh, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Luca De La Torre. Now, Weston McKinney, of course, has been injured and, and has been injured for uh, a while now. He missed that last round of World Cup qualifier. So, Greg Berhalter said he'd like that. He, he hopes he's going to be in this camp. He thinks he's going to be in this camp. We don't know. And even if he is in this camp, we don't know if he's going to be playing the role of an every game starter or maybe a substitute or maybe just kind of a cheerleader guy that's just a part of the group uh, for, for that chemistry and that camaraderie. We don't really know what he's going to bring to the table, which does open some doors for some other guys to get some opportunities. Now, Yunus Musa is another player that just hit the ground running for the U.S. and, and has become uh, kind of indispensable in the midfield. Now, since World Cup, the last round of World Cup qualifiers, Yunus Musa hasn't gotten many minutes uh, for his club at all over at Valencia. He's kind of been reduced to a substitute role and has only gotten a scattering of minutes. Uh, Luca De La Torre over in the Eredivisie, um, he has been getting uh, minutes for his club. Now, De La Torre's club, Eracles, is at the bottom of the Eredivisie table and is kind of flirting with um, relegation at the moment. So that's an interesting kind of kind of thing happening in De La Torre's world. But as per, as it pertains to the U.S. men's national team, I think he's going to have every opportunity to get more minutes uh, with this squad uh, in this June window, especially if Weston McKinney is not available to uh, go 90 minutes every game. Now, outside of those three, I did recently make a video about the, this position and about who's going to be that fourth number eight with that plane ticket to Qatar. Um, John Lugabusio has been that guy through the last few rounds of World Cup qualifying, but I have not been convinced about his performances. I think Busio is another one of those guys, just like George Bello, uh, maybe like Gaga Salanina, maybe like Kevin Paredes, who I think could potentially be absolute locks for the club in the 2026 World Cup. I really like Jean-Luc Busio's game. I think he's going to be a tremendous player, but I don't think this moment in time, that by, by November of next year, he's going to be at the level he needs to be. Uh, so, you know, whenever I do criticize these players and say that they're not where they're at, they're, they're not good enough for the team right now, or they don't bring enough to the team right now, that's not to say that they're never going to be good enough. I think some of these guys are going to have tremendous careers. Not all athletes are able to rise as quickly as guys like Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna are able to contribute to top teams at, as teenagers. Some guys need a little bit more of a runway, need a little bit longer time to kind of grow into their body and build strength and that kind of thing. Uh, Luca De La Torre is a great example of that. I mean, at, at 20, 21 years old, Luca De La Torre was nowhere close to the national team. And here he is, I think he's 24, 20. 23-24, and he's kind of grown into that player that he needs to be. Uh, I, I think that kind of thing could happen for guys like George Bello and Jean-Luc Abusio, but this isn't the time for them. Now, who could it be? Now, there's a lot of people saying that potentially Timothy Tillman is the dual international that Greg Berhalter was referring to who could be coming to camp. He's the girder first number eight. There is a lot of discussion around Georgi Mihailovic, though I don't think that Georgi Mihailovic uh, would be a number eight for the U.S. men's national team. I, I know he, I, I heard um, an interview with him recently where he described himself as more of a winger or a 10 or something like that, and I think that's where he would be deployed for the national team. More on that later when we get to the wingers. Eric Williamson recently returned to health and he showed himself to be an option during the Gold Cup. Now, you guys know my favorite is Pax and Pomacall. I think Pax and Pomacall plays a very similar role in a very similar system for his club, FC Dallas, and he's been contributing a high level for them. I know that he can counter press. I know that he's relentless. I know that he can he can ping long balls. I know that he's great in combination play, and I think he would work really well in what we got going on right now. I'm not super optimistic that Greg's going to call in Pax and Pomacall. I think it's going to be somebody else. I'm 
honestly, uh, though I would love to see Paxton Pomacall get that call. He actually got an assist this weekend on a Paul Areola goal where Paxton was able to make an interception upfield thanks to his uh, relentless pressing put in a nice ball for Areola, and Areola put it away. And he's been doing stuff like that all season long. I'm a big Paxton Pomacall fan. Now for the wingers, and this is going to get really interesting as we get towards the end of the list here. So the three guys who I think we all know are going to be on the list are Christian Pulisic, Brendan Aronson, and Tim Weah. Tim Weah recently got a goal for Lil. I think it was his first of the season. Uh, so good to see him back on the score sheet. Uh, Christian Pulisic has had one of his best games in a Chelsea shirt for me in the FA Cup final. Now with Gio Reyna out, the question is going to be who's going to be that fourth or possibly fifth uh, winger. And there's a lot of interesting names here. I got a lot of guys who are playing really well. As I already mentioned, Jordi Mihailovic is scoring bags of goals right now uh, from his position as sort of an attacking midfielder for uh, Club de Foot Montreal. But he's not the only player in good form right now. I look at two guys in Paul Areola and Jordan Morris as playing pretty well for their club teams at the moment. Uh, I've been watching a lot of FC Dallas thanks to my love for Jesus Ferreira. Uh, and, and in watching uh, FC Dallas, you get to see that Paul Areola is playing really well. He's got a couple of goals. He, he got another one this weekend. And he's just uh, he, he always has that relentlessness to his game. But he's playing well in the final third. He's putting balls in. Um, he, he's dummied a few balls for uh, Jesus Ferreira to get goals. I think he's playing well enough to get a call up for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get called up over Jordi Mihailovic. At the same time, Jordan Morris is returning to form. He was a big part of Seattle's CONCACAF Champions League run. And with Jordan Morris in there, you get a guy that I think is a lot different than all the other players who are in that winger pool. He's he's a lot bigger. Uh, he, he has those fast, direct runs in behind. Uh, he's constantly threatening. I, I think he's an interesting player in that mix. I think he could potentially be that guy. And then, of course, there's Christian Roldan, who uh, we already know Greg thinks is, is like a real glue guy for the locker room and, and apparently brings tremendous vibes. Just a big bringer of vibes and we can't underrate how important those vibes are uh, for the national team so maybe he gets a spot as well I'm going to be really curious to see of those three guys or maybe all three guys or like how it's going to work out who's going to be the odd man out out of Mihailovic Roldan Morris and Areola I think all four of those guys have a claim to that spot or or multiple spots so that's going to be one to watch for sure boy oh boy have we been talking about strikers for the U.S. Men's National team for some time. Now, we do know that Haji Wright is going to be a part of the group. Greg already said his name, and I believe Haji Wright already got himself another goal this weekend and has just been playing lights out over in the Turkish League this season. Uh, Jesus Ferreira, I think, is an absolute lock. Jesus Ferreira got another brace this weekend. He is now the, uh, the leading scorer in MLS. He is just scoring at will right now and looks like one of the best players in MLS at the moment. Can't say enough about how well Jesus Ferreira is playing and how excited I am to see what he can do in this U.S. Men's National Team offense over this four-game window. Now, behind Haji Wright and Jesus Ferreira, we're assuming that they're going to be bringing three strikers because Greg has been bringing three strikers. There's two guys who I think 
might get a look. Uh, one is Jordan Sibichu. Uh He's still scoring a, a ton of goals for, for his club. Uh, he's got, what, he gets like four since the last World Cup qualifying window. Uh, so he's still doing his thing. And then there's Brandon Vasquez, who a lot of people are calling for out of FC Cincinnati. He is one of the goal leaders in um, MLS. Now, uh, to be honest, I haven't watched a tremendous amount of Brandon Vasquez, so I don't have a lot to say about the player. Uh, but to, you know, considering the striker situation for the U.S. men's national team, uh, pretty much anybody is an option. Now, Greg did say Ricardo Pepe is very likely to miss this window because he he felt he needed a mental break. Uh, Ricardo Pepe has not played much at all to end the season for Osberg. It's been a pretty disappointing uh, season altogether for him at Osberg. So he's not going to be there. Josh Sargent has been uh, injured and absent from uh, the Norwich roster. And, you know, this definitely could be a situation where the dual mystery dual international is someone like Flair and Balogun. Maybe Greg says, hey, look, man, nobody's scoring goals for the U.S. men's national team right now. It's wide open. If you want to come in and kind of see what we are all about, if you can score some goals in this window, it would put you a long way towards potentially making a run uh, at the Qatar uh, World Cup. So maybe it's Falarin Balogun who is that mystery international. Speaking of the mystery dual international, I did save one guy last but not least. I kind of put him in his own category because I think that the dual international is going to be coming to this Nations League window as more of a spectator. I don't think that he's going to actually play. I think he's just coming to see what the camp is all about. I think it's going to be Malik Tillman. I'm, I'm saying that mostly because I hope it's going to be Malik Tillman. I don't have really anything to base it off of, uh, really any inside information or anything like that. I think he's the most exciting potential player, so that's who I hope it's going to be. If it is him, I think it's going to be uh, as a as a role where he's not going to be playing, and, and if he is, it's just going to be for brief minutes, and it's certainly not going to be in the Nations League games. It's going to be in the friendlies. Uh, so if it is Malik Tillman, I, I don't think that he's actually going to play, so I kind of kept him off, a si- off to the side and didn't really include him in the action. Actual roster. So if you manage to keep up all, with all that, I think I had, I, I was trying to get to 27 players plus Malik Tillman. So I think it's going to be a 27 player roster. Uh, but who knows? Greg has been staying around that 26, 27 player mark. It's very likely that the World Cup is going to change the rules to uh, allow 26 players instead of the traditional 23 for this particular World Cup. I think it's going to be in there, but who the hell knows what's going on anymore. That's my predictions for who are going to make the roster. Do you think that I missed anybody? Who do you think is going to make the cut? There's a lot of positions where we don't really know who it's going to be. Who do you think is going to be that backup left back? Who do you think is going to be uh, the, the third goalkeeper? Who do you think is going to be the center back pool? A lot of really interesting conversations here within the U.S. men's national team whenever it gets to kind of the edges of that 23, possibly 26-man roster heading to Qatar. As always, si puede hablar espanol, dígame un comentario en espanol. If you want to listen to the Yank Report in podcast form, you can definitely download the Yank Report podcast everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, and if you do, make sure you, uh, what do you have to do for podcasts? You uh, rate it, rate it, and leave a review, right? Yes. I'm a great podcaster. Thank you guys so much for finding the content. I know I say we a lot when I talk about the Yank Report, but there ain't no we. It's me. I'm editing the videos. I'm making the thumbnails. I'm coming up with the with the notes. I'm writing them all out. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. So I do appreciate you guys for supporting this project uh, that, that, that 
takes up so damn much of my time at this point. And if you do want to support the channel, you can hit the subscribe button. We're, we're getting dangerously close to 10,000 subscribers, and I don't know what the, in the world's going to happen when we get there, but I'm excited to get there. Hit that like button. If you really want to support the channel, you can become a member. You can get access to cool badges. You can see uh, the, the members-only section of the videos, uh, and, and you get to hear about things before everybody else does because the member section is cool like that. Speaking of the member section, shout out to the Tier 2 members, Manuel Alivares, Mike Irish, Matt Doyle, and Chris Matassa. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is The Yank Report, brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.